What do you do when your E3 2019 discussion clocks in at over two hours? Break it up into two episodes and this second episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. I never thought this day would come, my friends, where I would watch an E3 press conference by Redmond's favorite Windows developer, Microsoft. Also the only. And actually think it was really good. <laughs> but the year has come. And boy, did they do a good job. So let's start at the top, which I think they really did, which is Microsoft does the video games for Netflix thing, right? So Xbox Game Pass Premium is a thing. It comes at $15 a month. And the benefit here is it's got Xbox Live and their premium online thing, plus over 300 games, which is crazy that you can just play. So download them to your console, play as many as you want. Games like... um, Borderlands, the handsome collection. You've got a lot of older, really cool games like Prison Architect and stuff like that on there. You've got the original um, Borderlands, the new sort of HD remake of that. So a lot of really great, you know, Halo 3 and that kind of thing. Um, The rare collection. So a lot of really amazing games there. And then they just announced that as part of this, um, they're also doing it on PC. So not maybe as many games, but if you had a PC and you had an Xbox $15 a month gets you access to more games that you could ever play in your life, frankly. And then also, because Microsoft's been buying out a bunch of game studios, day and day one for Xbox Game Pass Premium, you're going to get games like The Outer Worlds Day One on Xbox Game Pass, Psychonauts 2. I'll talk a little bit more about why that it is later. Halo Infinite, Shenmue 3. Guys, wow. Um... Maybe we don't all have an Xbox, but this Xbox Game Pass. I mean, what do you think about the value here, Tim? Yeah, I I did not expect to be interested in signing up for a Microsoft game streaming service, but this looks pretty cool. Um, the, the list of exclusive or not exclusives, but uh, the list of games on the service is pretty expansive and there's some really great titles on there and they're not all just like smaller indie games. Um, we might be witnessing the beginnings of the game streaming revolution here because this looks pretty impressive. And the fact that it's PC and console is kind of a big deal. Yeah, I, I love that the, the price of it is you can kind of a la carte it if you want. So if you don't have an Xbox, you play play. Oh, as of right now, you pay five bucks a month. That's going up to 10. Uh, if you don't have a PC, you just pay 10 for the Xbox Game Pass on Xbox. But if you have both, you can combine those. 15 bucks also get you Xbox Live. It's a really good value. Um, EA has done stuff like that in the past, like their EA Access and Origin Access for five bucks a month to play a lot of their games. They don't have the newer games, which this is a big benefit for the Xbox game pass that the newer games coming out are going to go right into that plan. But yeah, this is, 
this is really solid and I'm depending on the games they get, I might consider doing the 10 bucks a month to get this on PC. I've always considered, so at some point I'm going to get a 4k TV. I plan on getting an Xbox to watch 4k movies. I think that'll be a really good way to do that. And as part of that, wow, you know, I'm kind of trying to figure out what would be a better deal for the way I play games to spend the $15 a month to buy a used Xbox game or to play every Xbox game. <laughs> There's a lot of Serious. pros and cons, right? $15 could buy you the original Halo, which you can play on your Xbox and, you know, compatibility mode, a bunch of 360 games, or you could just download them all. So I don't know. That's an interesting question. Um, another thing that come out of the Xbox, uh, the Microsoft conference was Xbox Scarlet. Um, since we're not Xbox owners, I don't know how interesting this is, but they're basically talking about the new system. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be just, you know, so much better than what we have right now, which is great because I think you're seeing a lot of really cool games. Um, and they talked about 8K and this and that. So yeah. it should be really cool. It's like a console. It seems like this and then the PlayStation 5 saw the standing in the 4K realm. And mm-hmm. uh, both seem to be adding SSDs, which are definitely going to make everything so much faster on a console. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, I'm going to sort of kick this over to Tim and Travis because I think they're a little bit more excited about this than me. But Borderlands 3 also took the stage. Travis, you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Okay, but hold on. Hold on. Before yeah. we get into Borderlands 3, I just want to make something clear. Dibs on the gunner. <laughs> Fair enough. I already, yeah, I already know what class I want to play. So, okay. just, uh, just letting you know that if we play this together, dibs on the gun. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really get a lot of uh, like new information in terms of trailers and stuff. Like we got a new trailer, but it didn't really show us much. the The real kind of standout for me with Borderlands Three was the fifteen minute gameplay demo that played like five times across different conferences and interviews and we got to see one of the worlds that we'd be traveling to with i guess it's the gunner that you're talking about tim as the playable character where you can jump into the mech suit and just like yes kill shit (laughs) that (laughs) that power looks incredible it's kind of like um i I don't know somewhere between salvador and gage where yeah, I was just thinking that it, it, <laughs> the Necromancer and the Gunzerker. And those were my two favorite characters in Borderlands too. It's like, here, let's put these two together and make one. And it looks so crazy. But yeah, after watching that, like three or four times over the course of E3, I played a little bit of the new DLC for Borderlands two that dropped. Um, they were trying to keep that a surprise for E3, but they did not keep that secret very well. And people were talking about it for a couple weeks before, but there's a new DLC that dropped for Borderlands 2. And I jumped into that a little bit. And after looking at how amazing Borderlands 3 looked, it was a little tough to look at Borderlands 2. I got to be honest, but <laughs> no, that, that new DLC is amazing, by the way. It's, it's so fun. I think it might be the best content they've made for Borderlands 2, which is saying something. But yeah, super stoked about Borderlands 3. How are we all going to play it? Are we going to the Epic Game Store? Are we playing in a different way on launch? That's actually kind of a tough one. It's really tough. Um, So the previous two Borderlands games, I got on console first. And the reason I did that is because I played couch co-op with my wife. And I imagine she's probably going to want to play Borderlands 3 with me again. 
So, you know, on is that there couch sense, co-op on the PS4? Be, um, you know, I'm not sure, actually. Have they talked about couch co-op? I'm sure they're going to have at least for two-player. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, that's been kind of a staple, so I would imagine they probably will. If there's no couch co-op, then... Gosh, I really don't want to have to get it through the Epic Store, but PC is kind of like my my preference for where to play it. Yeah, I just looked it up. It will. They've confirmed that it will for PlayStation 4 and Xbox. Okay, if there's going to be couch co-op, then it's probably PlayStation 4. I think I might do PlayStation 4 first and then get it on Steam when it comes on Steam. I mean, that's what I've done with all the other ones. (laughs) I'm really not a fan of the way that Epic is paying people for temporary exclusivity kind of at the 11th hour like you got some stories of i think it was outer worlds where they were printing the box art that had the steam logo on it and then they made a deal and they had to stop like started putting stickers on the back of the covers for some games to cover up the steam logo i think that's just kind of a a jerk move in a way so i don't know if i want to support that um here are the people at gearbox had no idea what was happening 2k just made that decision and kind of blindsided Ouch. them yeah so I, I'll, I might end up doing the ps4 and then getting it on steam when it comes out but who knows it's hard because to me borderlands is a game that feels at home to me on pc and if you buy it on the epic game store you're pretty much committing that's where you're going to buy all the expansions for Right. So that's a pretty hefty commitment of money into a particular platform. Right. So you're, you know, Tim, it's entirely possible and Travis that you guys pick it up on PS4 and then when the content comes out, you rebind on Steam and that kind of thing. And that kind of, you know, maybe that makes sense or whatever. Um, But, you know, if you're on the Epic Game Store and then you buy all the content throughout its entire life, it's kind of a lot. I don't know. I, yeah, I, um, I'm sort of like not really like you guys. I'm not really interested in playing this one at launch, but I definitely think that there is a time where I might and I might actually play it at launch. I just think I have to think about it some more. It's not definitely a day one purchase for me. And I haven't bought a game on the Epic Game Store, but recently Travis and I, we bought Rage 2 and that came at the Bethesda, you know, sort of the Bethesda launcher. And I didn't really mind that. I don't really mind the Epic Game Store. I just I don't know. I don't know. Um. I wonder if when you're on Steam and then someone's playing it on the Epic Game Store, how easy it is to play with people that way. Probably impossible, so, honestly. Uh, that would really stink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because playing Borderlands 2 with y'all was extremely fun. So it would be really unfortunate to not sort of play with everyone, especially on PC. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go. So we'll see. So another bit of news out of there is Halo Infinite. Um, That's really interesting. So Microsoft's role in the next Halo game, it looks to be kind of a little bit like Destiny. So sort of, you know, sort of an upgrade of the game there. And that looks pretty cool. Um, One of the bits of news um, that came out of this Microsoft conference was that Microsoft is, firstly, they've been buying quite a lot of studios for a while. They just acquired Double Fine, which I was really surprised to hear um, cause they've been really independent for a long time releasing games that frankly, I just don't think are the most blockbustery or commercial. Yeah. So it's weird that Microsoft mm-hmm. would buy them. I mean, the last game, the last games that came out from double fine were broken age headlander. Um, 
Massive Chalice. And Psychonauts Robbins of Ruin. None of those games blew up the charts, but clearly did well enough. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. uh, but Microsoft purchased uh, Double Fine and they're going to get uh, Psychonauts 2, which is interesting. And according to Double Fine, everyone who backed the game is going to get it on the platform of their choice. And it's also coming to Xbox and PC. I wonder if anyone's going to be able to buy it <laughs> outside on a PS4 now. Um, maybe not. <laughs> so if you backed it and you got a PS4, good for you. So I don't know. Uh, Travis, what do you think about this? I mean, you know, double fine Microsoft bottom. It's interesting. It's a bizarre choice. I mean, maybe they know something that we don't, but um, I played Psychonauts. I thought it was fantastic. I don't think that it's, I don't know. I guess maybe people are stoked about the beyond good and evil sequel. And maybe they wanted to jump on that and get it before that came out. But it seems like their games fit into more of a, an indie feel and it's an odd choice for a huge publisher to buy them. Right. And I played broken age and I really, really enjoyed that, but adventure games aren't really like blowing up the charts. So yeah, it's interesting. Of course, double fine does a lot of different games. Every one of their games is really different, but yeah, thought it was an interesting acquisition. And finally, Minecraft, Minecraft Dungeons, so the new game from Mojang. Basically, if uh, Diablo were in Minecraft, this is the game. Um, this might be a day one purchase for me. It looks like it's coming out really? on Switch. Yeah, because it's it looks like Diablo Minecraft. And I don't know what, but I'm, I'm in. I really am. It's like what I wanted them to add to Minecraft all along, in a, in a way. Um, <laughs> kind of wish that there was always an RPG in that game. It just it's That's maybe why I think Terraria is awesome because it's basically minecraft with an rpg in there so i don't know what do you, what do you i don't know am i am, i don't know i kind of seems like i'm out on a limb here you guys maybe aren't so interested but minecraft dungeons looks pretty neat yeah i um i kind of don't care <laughs> about <laughs> minecraft dungeons um i am sure my children will badger me into buying it and then i don't know maybe i'll play it with them we'll see maybe i'll be pleasantly surprised and it ends up being a lot of fun but uh, I was not inspired by the demo there. Or, well, not the demo. Um, I was not inspired by the trailer. I don't think you're alone. It yeah. pretty much hit uh, the news sites with a resounding thud. But here's something to keep in mind. If this game launches free to play with cosmetics that you can buy in the game, it's going to be the biggest game, one of the biggest games in the uh, world. Yeah, probably. Probably. And so I kind of hope that it does. Uh, and it's just cosmetic stuff and this kind of thing, because those kinds of games for kids are massively popular and kids need a good dungeon crawling game, frankly. So hopefully this is the one for them. Yeah. And if that's their, their kind of shtick is making this like an easier access for people who haven't played that kind of game before, then it's a good idea, but it kind of still misses me a bit. I feel like that action RPG dungeon crawler is a bit overdone and i think you've got diablo and path of exile that do it pretty damn well and i mean sure you know throw more out there competition is always a good thing i'm just not sure if it hits me that well i'm offended you left out dungeon siege in that list i haven't played it (sighs) so good the original dungeon siege and dungeon siege 2 jerk really good the other ones well that's probably why it's i think they're yeah. <laughs> from what is, i understand yeah. number three was pretty terrible yeah, but one and two are solid fun dungeon crawlers all right absolutely good to know 
interfere with now is bigger than you can imagine. If you continue, you will bring down... All right, let's talk about Bethesda's conference. Uh, if you've heard our coverage and read our stuff on the side about E3 in the past, it seems like we spend more time talking about Bethesda than any other company. Uh, they've announced a lot of big stuff this year so let's jump in with fallout 76 uh i know you guys haven't played fallout 76 i have a ton um the big things this year for that they announced were a battle royale mode called nuclear winter that um i just kind of groaned quite a lot when i heard that but they put up a week-long demo and i played it and it's you know what it's it's pretty solid uh i think i prefer it to most of the battle royales i've played it's not as good as apex legends but i feel like apex legends is like the gold standard right now but it was it was kind of nice playing a battle royale with a map that i already knew by heart and i think that's one of my problems with battle royale games is that I don't want to just keep playing them until I can know where everything is and get better at it. So I kind of had a bit of a head start with this one. Um, the other one big, second, Travis. Sure. So if history is our guide, when CSGO got a battle royale mode, it went free to play, which I think is ostensibly good. It was pretty much a free to play game already. I expect that this battle royale mode in fallout 76 is the first step to fallout 76 going free to play if it's popular if they can add cosmetics to the game that people care about or a battle pass system i think that's maybe where bethesda wants to go i know we've talked about this before you're not hip to the thought and i'm curious now that you've played this expansion if it makes more sense and that's something you're willing to think about because it seems like a battle royale mode could fund development on the base game that's a little different so i don't know what do you think uh, i don't know the community that's there now is super helpful and friendly and like todd howard was saying on stage you know they made this world where you could do anything and people just decide to help people and that's really true there's there you see griefers every now and then but it's very rare um and i feel like opening it up to free to play so anybody can make a new account if they get banned for whatever for free it's just going to be like grief city and like they don't have a great track record yet with handling some of the issues of the game uh they're getting better at it but i just kind of worry that the game will change in a bad way if it goes free to play makes sense but they've also announced that uh, later on in the year, they're adding like the premise of Fallout 76 is there was this scorched plague that wiped everybody out at the end of the year. Some people are going to be traveling back into the area. So we're going to have like, human NPCs. So that's kind of a major structural change to the game that they're adding about a year after release. So that should be interesting. You guys have anything you want to add about the Fallout 76 stuff? I know you don't play it, so. I hope that it goes free to play, and I hope that it doesn't turn into a pile of garbage. I think that <laughs> yeah. I, I like it when games go free to play because it means that I will I can play a few more games. Um, I don't think in every instance of a game does it maybe go in the game's favor, but I think generally speaking, for me, 
the free to play games are a really cool model that I can usually always never give them money for. <laughs> um, but some people really do. So it's not like a trap for me where I spend $2,000 in a game. It's right. usually a really awesome experience where I spend nothing and have a pretty good time. So I don't know. Um, a games community is really important. And if Fallout 76 has a great one, yeah, it would be really sad, but hopefully it won't. Yeah. Uh, another game that Bethesda pitched a lot about was Doom Eternal. Um, they showed a trailer that I thought was really disappointing until I realized there was a lot more coming and they showed off a lot of new gameplay and they've added some stuff to this that I feel like it fundamentally changes the way you play the game because you've got a lot more kind of world traversal as part of the gameplay, like really fast paced like acrobatic stuff in a way. Uh, what do you guys think? Tim, what did you think of the doom eternal coverage? Yeah. Um, I haven't really been in or uh, interested in the doom game since the original. So I did not watch this presentation. Ah. Okay. <laughs> John, what did you think? It's a game that I'm really interested to play. I'm not sure when that will be. I, played a bit of the original 2016 doom which was really surprising i thought that i would just play the entire game i really enjoyed what i played but i don't know what it was just the time of my life i didn't finish it and i think i've got the same experience from rage 2 i think that that has been a really fun time i don't play a whole lot of shooters i play one every so often and so i'm feeling good right we've got um We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I'm a little bit more interested in some of the other games that we'll talk about from the Bethesda one. That said, I imagine coming, I'll come back to Doom 2016. I'll come back to Doom Eternal. It looks like what people wanted in the original with a lot more, you know, just more of that. And I think that's really good. I think what we're seeing from all Bethesda companies, it included. And I think this is actually a really good place to be at is a more modern approach to how you launch games. It used to be back in the day with id, you'd have a new id game every six years or something like that. Now we're getting new id games all the time, multiple per year, actually, which I think is really good. You've got all the id franchises rolling. You've got Wolfenstein coming out with a new game every couple of years. You got Rage. Obviously, that was a thing. I didn't know that was even coming back. Like that's out. You got a new Doom game coming every couple of years. So um, I think that's really neat. I think that it's a really cool to see the studio pumping out games that people love again. I think it's really cool. It's interesting that almost all the original founders in it are gone to get to a point where the company can do that. Yeah. I think that clearly them getting bought out by Zenimax and Bethesda has really sat well with them as much as maybe it rubbed some of the original founders in a bad way through to do legal things and that kind of thing. But, uh, I don't know. I think this id software is much more prolific and I like the output of, and it's a lot more often. So yeah, I don't know. I'm really, really sort of happy with how as an id fan, I don't, it's never been better. Agreed. And keeping that id train rolling, Wolfenstein Youngblood got some, got, we got a new trailer for that. And this is the first time that we have co-op in Wolfenstein and John, you and I are playing that game, right? <laughs> um, yes. And this is the thing because I, oh geez, I really, I kind of want to buy this on the switch and I know I shouldn't, but I really do. I, if I bought this on the Switch, would you play it on the Switch or should we get this on PC? Oh. I'm just 
I don't think the switch is the best place to play this. I've got to be honest. Yeah, I heard I heard that even though it's like not awesome that the Wolf 2 New Colossus was amazing. Anyways, Wolfenstein Youngblood looks really, really good. And you can buy the collector's edition and get another version for your friend can play, which I think is really kind of cool. So honestly, I'm more interested in Youngblood than I was the New Colossus because I actually haven't played that one. But yeah, it looks really good. I love that. I love the thought on co-op and I like that all these new id games are kind of focusing on something a little bit different. Um, Yeah, it's really neat. Uh, Co-op. You don't hear that a lot in games, you know, especially shooters. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this looked like Wolfenstein too. It didn't really bring a lot new to the table except for that co-op aspect. And that is a really cool idea. Um, you and I both played some portal Two co-op and just that is a very different game clearly, but like what is current, you know, normally a single player game, you add a second player to it and that can change the way you play it so much. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have here. Uh, Tim, did you play any of the Wolfenstein games or is this one on your radar at all? So the last Wolfenstein game I played was the original. Uh, but I will say that young blood has actually been on my radar a little bit. And the addition of co-op, it, it kind of like sealed the deal that this is maybe it's my time to jump back into Wolfenstein. So uh, it, it, probably not a day one purchase for me, but um, I'll pick it up on sale at some point and definitely give it a shot. It looks like a lot of fun. And uh, I also this maybe sound a little terrible here, but I kind of want to like play it and see how it is. And if it's not too bad, uh, maybe let my two daughters play it because <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's not very often that you see a game where the protagonists are two sisters. Very and I true. thought that actually might be kind of a cool experience for them. If it's not terrible, it's probably going to be too, uh, too violent for them. They're still a little on the young side, but they're getting into more and more games and they have actually started playing um, Halo a little bit. So they've sort of started with the the shooter category but we'll see if it's like any other id game uh and the trailers are of any concern um, it's gonna be pretty bloody yeah the f word (laughs) is gonna be their new favorite word too because they're like fucking nazis fucking it's like i mean i'm in yeah probably not gonna happen but i don't know maybe when they're a couple years older yeah exactly yeah it's cool you know, it's interesting because it's not the first id game to get co-op. Travis, we played Rage co-op. You oh, know, it's so true. funny. That's true. Rage shipped with so many things. It shipped with the single player camps, right? Why well, it took him 80 years to come up with this game, but shipped with single player. It's shipped with co-op, which were sort of different missions, sort of like little stories of Rage before the game that shipped with that car multiplayer thing. Um, so it's cool. They're coming back to it. But yeah, it's cool. And speaking of Rage, John, you've got your, I think you've got your finger on the pulse of the Rage 2 updates more than I do. You want to cover what they talked about with Rage 2 at at E3? Yeah, so one of the things they brought back to Rage 2 was the Stanley Stanley quest system. So it seems like every week they're going to drop a new quest there. The first one they dropped was go do some races, which, okay, you know, whatever. The second quest they dropped a week after was, hey, go get this, um, go collect these three, you know, collectible, you know, quest items and then you can get your um very slow mech that wasn't very much fun and cost a thousand dollars to spawn whatever because basically making it so you don't really want to use it if you want to actually upgrade your character 
Um, and then they're going to come with uh, other other quests and stuff. So one of them that's coming is going to be this big sort of Dune style worm. That's like a boss fight that looks really neat. I don't mean to malign any of the rage content that's come out. Some of it's really cool. Like they got Ruckus the Crusher was a quest that you could, you know, um, basically a lot of these quests are go back to this area that you've cleared. There's uh, a unique boss that's kind of like the boss that was already there. In case of Ruckus the Crusher, it was just another big old mutant that sang this time uh, using the voice of um, the guy that sang the song in the Bethesda showcase last year for Rage 2, um, Andrew WK. So he did the voice of Ruckus the Crusher. Now, so the interesting thing about this content, though, I'm really curious about is it seems to exist in this time-based world. So you've got this Ruckus the Crusher quest that I don't know if any, like, I don't know if I'm going to play this game again. I'm going to get that quest. I hope so. So hopefully it's not content that's lost okay. to time. So I just want to interject here briefly. I hadn't signed in in a few weeks, but I had seen like all this new stuff that was coming. So I hopped yeah. in a couple of days ago to check out the mech. I only got the quest to go get the parts to build, fix the mech. I didn't get anything else. So the Ruckus, the Crusher, and these original sort of time-based quests and stuff, the first ones were things like go out and kill um, five million mutants or whatever. And if you do that, we'll give everyone a skin. So that was like, okay, that happened and whatever. So if you didn't get those skins, you might actually have those skins in game just because you're in the game, depending on how they handed that stuff out. Yeah, I got some of those skins for stuff like that. Like the challenges, not the quests. Yeah. Absolutely. And so the Ruckus the Crusher quest is just a particular point in the map and it wasn't a quest that you got. You just went there and I just went and I'm like, where is this thing at? Because the game didn't tell you. And, if you know, people on the Steam forums are like, it's right here. And I just went there and I beat it and I got the thing. So I don't know if that's going to be there for everyone or if it's just for that week. Yeah, you I know hope it's I mean? still there. I'd like to play this stuff, you know. Well, like I mentioned, it was it was it's it's in a particular area of the map where there's already something there. So I don't know if they replaced the generic thing with the ruckus thing or if it's the ruckus is there after you clear it. I, I don't know how that works. I don't know. But I hopefully this like worm boss and the mech and that just doesn't exist in a point in time or it all gets wrapped up in a DLC pack that they release for a dollar. I I don't know, just as long as people can still play it. But that's a bunch of stuff that's coming. And then they tease the Rise of Ghosts expansion, which if you bought the deluxe edition, you're going to get as part of it. Um, and it looks like more Rage 2, Travis, Rise of Ghosts. You play in that one when it comes out. Apparently, you can play it at any time, so you don't have to yeah. wait until... I am absolutely game. playing that. Um, when I got done with Rage 2, all I wanted to do was keep playing Rage 2, but I didn't have anything left to play. Uh, I 100% cleared the map, and so I'm hoping for a lot more stuff. I did note that there's one area up in the north, like the f- northmost area of the game, where there's like a bunch of roads on the map, and there's like a big chunk where there's no map markers, like nothing there, just roads to nowhere. So I'm thinking that might be where they put some of this expansion content. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to more single player or more standard missions. Well, if it's roads to nowhere, that could actually be to Alaska or um, it could be because <laughs> I've heard that's a really old 2008 um, 2008 election joke. But um, I've heard that the new Rise of Ghosts is going to add an entirely new zone to the game. So that might be it might be north. Oh, of that, cool. Potentially. So. 
I think it's really cool how they're updating the game. I yeah. think there's one more big DLC pack that they're going to release after Rise of Ghosts, which will be interesting. So I'm interested to see where Rage 2 goes. I, I hope it it ends up like a lot of id games where every couple of years you get a new version of the game. So, yeah, like sort of Wolfenstein, a la Doom, etc. Okay, so one thing that we're going to talk about that we're sort of sort of impromptu adding in here, and we'd be really remiss not to talk about it, is Google's new Stadia platform. So Google was one of the first people to come out of E3 this year with some really big news that we kind of knew was coming and we heard about before, but they let more details out about what Stadia is. If you don't know, Stadia is the new game streaming service from Google that's different than it's similar to Microsoft Xbox Game Pass, but it's a little bit different. For instance, you basically buy a game on Stadia and you can stream it to any screen you have, your tablet, your phone, your computer, your TV, whatever it Stadia servers run the game. And you can play it on whatever you want. There are you, they demoed you playing this game on just a television with a Chromecast or on a Google Chromebook, which you all know those are not high powered machines at all. So it's basically just a video stream. Um, there is a Founders Edition um, that you can buy for one hundred and twenty nine dollars that comes with some DLC stuff. It comes with a controller um, and it comes with the 4K Google Chrome device The the the. Google has a controller that you can get with Stadia, but you can use whatever controller you want. Um, You don't need to use the Stadia controller um, to control it. But the Stadia controller is actually different than any controller out there on the market right now in that the Stadia controller isn't a Bluetooth controller or a USB controller, although I'm sure it's USB to charge it up. It's actually a Wi-Fi controller. So you actually connect the Stadia controller to your Wi-Fi access point so you don't have to dock it to any device to play a game. You could actually start a game up on your tablet and then move it to your PC and you don't have to do jack squat with your controller because it connects to Wi-Fi which is crazy. So what Stadia allows you to do is play a game on your phone in the bus, come home, put it on your TV, keep playing it. <laughs> and since it's a Wi-Fi controller, it'll just connect to your phone in that case, right? And you could just keep playing it. It doesn't really matter. So I think that's really interesting. Um, also, um, it comes with uh, very uh, a thought similar to Xbox Game Pass. So Stadia Pro for $9.99 a month, you can do 4K streaming at 60 frames a second, 5.1 audio. And then for free Stadia Base, you can get uh, 1080p stream at 60 frames a second. If you pay um, the monthly sub, you get games included like all uh, Games Pass. They talked about Destiny 2 as one of the games specifically. Um, odd that they mentioned Destiny 2 as that game is going to be free to play next year. So that's weird that you have to pay to play a free to play game. But yeah, Travis and Tim, Google Stadia, clearly we're in the streaming game future and Google is mm-hmm. the first company to do it right as far as I'm concerned. What do you think, Travis? Google Stadia. Yeah, Valve has added a lot of uh, new features to their streaming lately. So you don't have to be, it doesn't have to just be in home anymore. Uh, and 
I'm, Wait, yeah, you do. You still have to do it in your house, right? No, they haven't. They recently changed that. You don't have to be there anymore. Like you, you it's you're still streaming it from your own PC, but you're streaming it across the internet now. No kidding. Yeah. I did not know that. Wow, and that's great. I think I read something where they were going to add some cloud stuff onto it, but still, like one of the things about this is that it's still hit uh, limited to 1080p, as far as I'm aware, and this Stadia is pushing 4K now, and you've got xbox that they're microsoft talking about their streaming tech that they're working on super hardcore and what i'm hoping is that all these new players in the area in game streaming are really going to push this tech forward um if google is doing this right this could be freaking incredible i'm not too keen on like jumping into a new platform to buy games i've got a ton of those already and game streaming isn't something that I need yet, I guess it's a really cool thing. It's just not something I feel like I need, but I love that they're adding something new to this and hopefully pushing this stuff forward. And that controller, I got to say that controller does look really nice. Um, I had to hold it to know for sure, but it looks super comfortable and I, it's nice to see a proper D pad instead of those weird ass things that you see. (laughs) (laughs) Tim, we've, is this something you're interested in sort of jumping on? Because they've been really explicit that if you get the founder's edition, you're going to get access before anyone else. Um, but to buy in is like 130 bucks, which looks like that's the price of the hardware with a couple months of their pro service. I'm just curious, is this something that you're going to check out at launch or something that you want to get access to early? I am notoriously not a early adopter of new systems or platforms or anything like that so i will not be buying the founders edition but i i only just heard about this you know well while we were recording this you brought it up if this is now on my radar i am definitely going to be watching how this develops and changes over time the uh that initial cost is not bad considering the hardware that you get um not quite enough to entice me to do it but i can definitely see the appeal and i'm very intrigued to see how this turns out here's a thought there's a new console coming out from google and it doesn't cost you anything to play it stadia base is going to be free next year 1080p 60 frames a second and you don't have to pay a cent to be able to use it now well, actually, that, that might, you actually might have to buy games to play it, but you know that you've always yeah. had to buy games or whatnot. The idea that a new thing is coming out, you don't have to, you know, it's crazy. You don't have to buy hardware. <clears throat> it's just whatever you've got. I think that's really, really interesting. You know, when you maybe you just want to pay $60 to play a game, you don't want to pay $460, right? And now you don't have to. <laughs> it's crazy. Just have a tablet. You want to play Borderlands 3, you can play it. What? that's wow you know that's an interesting world i think so um it's really heartens me to hear the steam link anywhere thing travis because you know hopefully valve's not too far behind because frankly you know if we've got steam streaming base and it's all the games you have already um I mean, I I can't even imagine a world where Steam offers this service, too. I mean, that's just incredible. They would win in an instantly, I believe. So it's interesting that Google's coming to the table right now. Steam's obviously been doing the streaming thing from your house. So I'm really curious what Valve has got cooked up. Um, 
yeah, but this is a really cool idea. And it's the first console to come out that you don't have to buy, <laughs> which is crazy. Awesome. It's a cool idea. Okay, and last but not least, we're going to talk about Nintendo's uh, presentation this year. Uh, so they announced several new games, but uh, the ones that we're mostly interested in, uh, I think the biggest surprise that they announced was that there was a sequel for Breath in the Wild in the works. Travis, I know uh, you and I both dove into oh, this yeah. game hard. Uh so what are what are your thoughts on a sequel to Breath of the Wild? You know, we didn't really get a lot with that trailer, but I didn't need a lot. Just knowing that this thing is in development and we're going to get it is amazing. Um, I, w- one thing that I read that I love, and I want to want to give so many praises to Nintendo for this. The reason that they did this is because they had too many ideas for DLC. And they're, they rolled some of them into a new game rather than just like nickel and diming us for more and more content. They decided, you know what, we're just going to do another proper game. And I think that's an awesome choice that they made rather than extending that out and probably costing us way more in the long run if they'd gone the DLC route. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't know anything about this game. I don't know what's different. I don't know what's changed. I don't know what the gameplay is about, but I am super stoked. Yeah, I mean, they could have basically just put up a, a blank screen with the text Breath of the Wild 2 in the works and I'd have been on board. Yep. But um, that short little trailer was just enough to really crank up the hype. Like you said, they didn't really show a lot, but uh, the little that they did was like had almost kind of like a creepy, weird vibe to it. Like the music almost sounds like it's playing backwards. Um the there's like this like black swirly stuff going on there's that sort of undead looking creature that kind of like you know opens its eye i i think we're going to get a bit of a darker take on the zelda franchise here and i'm on board for it you know i loved breath of the wild so much it might be my favorite zelda game now yeah and i i just want more of it (laughs) john do you have anything to add I didn't really play Breath of the Wild, so I don't have a whole lot to say about this. Oh my gosh, you're missing out. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. I just, when I got the Switch, and there's a, so many games to play, I just, it was not, I, I, I think I talked about this a little bit. I just don't have time for a 50-hour game right now, and I know I really want to play it, so it's oh, always going to be it's such a great there. game, because it's it breaks into such small parts. Yeah, agreed, <laughs> agreed. I but right now, you know, I just I, I totally agree and I'm totally going to get it. It's just not a game that I have yet. But, you know, hearing about Breath of the Wild 2 is it's, you know, another game to add to the list. But I'm really excited about getting another Zelda so soon. You know, uh, I think the only other time that that happened was uh, people are comparing this, obviously, to Majora's Mask. And I think that's fairly apt, considering that it's using the same engine and it seems to be dark, kind of like how Majora's Mask was. And I loved Majora's Mask. So again, I am fully on board with this. All right. Nintendo showed off a little bit more about Super Mario Maker 2. We covered this one in a previous episode, but uh, they gave us a little bit more uh, on-screen playtime for this one. Guys, uh, what do you think? 
The biggest takeaway for me in Super Mario Maker 2 was that Super Mario Maker on the Wii U gave the Wii U legs, which was really necessary because that console wasn't the greatest console Nintendo's ever released in terms of fan popularity. But Super Mario Maker was a gem on that system. It it's it's the perfect kind of game for an online era where you can share things and play things and have these really fun experiences with your friends and you can be creative in a game and also get really challenged and have really fun time. So I I think this is going to be one of the biggest games of the year when it comes out next year. Uh, oh, sorry, when it comes out next week. Um, I'm walking into the store on Friday of next week when it comes out and buying it. <laughs> It's uh, it didn't get me more hyped for the game, but it made me realize that this is a solid game and they just basically took a solid game and they just kept making it better. It's going to it's going to help revitalize uh, streamers that I really respect, like Grand Pooh Bear and the like that are really focused on Mario Maker Kaizo level stages. It's going to give new level makers you know, time to shine. And so I'm really excited about that. I think that it's good to get, you know, Nintendo games big on switch because or sorry on, um, on, on a Twitch, because, you know, I mean, I think we need some other games in the top 10 that are just not Fortnite and hearthstone, you know what I mean? And apex legends and the like. So I think this will be really good. I think that it's good to, to get these fun side scrolling games and, uh, I, I can't wait. And it's, uh, yeah, it's basically going to turn into with this and some other news we're going to talk about. Basically, for my gaming life, the time of Nintendo, <laughs> because with this game and another one we're going to talk about, that's pretty much all I'm going to be playing for a bit. Yeah, I didn't play the first Mario Maker, so I there's a lot that I hadn't seen about how things work and the treehouse that they had after the conference. They had about an hour and a half worth of gameplay. And, oh, I was just, like, glued to the TV watching this, and I cannot wait to get this. Um, You said, like, next week, and I had kind of forgotten that this is a week away, and we're going to have this game. Like, I'm so excited. Um, I One of the things I loved is the way the new, like, 3D world levels work. Um, it, You know, you have kind of the core gameplay of Mario maker that you can swap any theme onto. And it works basically the same way, but the 3d world levels are entirely separate because the mechanics are so different and they look really nice. Uh, I never played 3d world. I don't have a Wii U, but I want to play that. And this looks like a, a decent stop gap until I can get my hands on the full game. And I'm sure there's going to be a ton of amazing levels people make that uh, use all these different things. And I'm still hoping for a Mario two theme for this game you know it's coming fingers crossed yeah by the game this is why i think that it should be a, a purchase that people make relatively soon because again i think it's going to come out and i think it's going to be some free timed dlc so yeah pick it up soon if you want to get that all right so another new announcement is the mana collection is coming to switch this uh collects the first three games in the secret of mana trilogy um and that includes, uh, for the very first time in the West, uh, they're calling it Trials of Mana, but uh, fans of the series will know it as Seiken Densetsu 3. It's getting a proper translation and being ported onto the Switch along with the original Game Boy game and the Secret of Mana game that we all know and love. 
I am struggling really hard not to buy the digital version right now because I want to wait and buy the physical version. I don't know if I'm going to make it because <laughs> I don't think the physical version comes out till August. But we'll we'll see. I am so overly hyped about about this. I want it so bad. Are you guys feeling the same, or was this kind of a a lackluster edition for you? I'm kind of where John was on the Final Fantasy VII remake announcement because I never played any of the Mana games, so they look nice, but I'm not hyped for them because I I don't really know what I've been missing. Oh my gosh! You, do you have the uh, Super Nintendo Classic? I do. Um, that's one of the and games you have I have. Mana, and you need to try it. Yeah. <laughs> So I am really glad that you mentioned Collection of Man is coming out physical August 27th because for $40, it's too much for the digital version. And I don't talk about game value. I don't usually question the value because we're going to talk about Link's Awakening really soon. And I think it's well worth 60 and I'm paying more than $60 for it. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but and I love The Secret of Man. I think it's one of the best video games of all time. I I just look at the collection of mana and I think, okay, digitally, I've got Secret of Mana. Um, I've got the original cart. I've got it on the Super Nintendo Classic. The Game Boy game is a nice note. I don't know how well it holds up. I remember playing it. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, The new um, localized mana game on Super Nintendo, that's amazing. I think that's clearly the draw here. So for 40 bucks for a physical version, I think we're getting more into the territory. Um, so, you know, I think that's, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to wait till August 27th for that. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's really cool. I think what square's doing here, I think it's a step one for getting more hype about mana to bring the franchise back. And I think this is a really good way to do that. So I really hope that it's something that, you know, when I get it, I'm really looking forward to it. So it'll, it's a really going to be a really cool way to play Secret of Mana on your Switch, right? Because I'm not really sure what Nintendo's doing in terms of their Super Nintendo and bringing it to their Nintendo online service. I hope next year Nintendo starts bringing Super Nintendo games to their online service. I think that would be really, really neat. But they could just keep doing Nintendo games for the next 80 years and have more than enough content so, yeah, Collection of Mana looks good. I think it's more a, a physical game at $40, though. I agree. All right, and then last but not least here, the remake we didn't know we wanted, but we all desperately want now, the Link's Awakening remake. We got to see the gameplay in action, and uh, I noticed something that somehow kind of escaped me. When I was watching the trailers before, it's that in this version, it looks like you get to keep your shield and sword out at all times. It's not exactly a huge difference because, you know, all that really does is save you some juggling items around. But uh, the Link's Awakening game was kind of unique in that it was the first time you could actually basically run around without your sword and shield and use other items instead for a while. Guys, what do you think of the new footage we got for the Link's Awakening remake? In a couple words, um, it was amazing. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> I, I've been hyped for this ever since we found out it was happening. And like Tim, you said like, Breath of the Wild might be your favorite Zelda game. It also might be mine. If it's not, then it's Link's Awakening. 
Uh, and this remake just looks beautiful. I love the art style and I'm was really, it was really nice to get a, kind of a look at the dungeon maker portion of this. So, that, you know, you can make your own dungeons and that's kind of like a little mini Mario maker type deal. So that, that's a really cool addition. Yeah, that did look really neat. All right, John. Yeah, so I ordered, uh, pre-ordered, so I'm definitely going to get this, uh, the Dreamer Edition. I love Link's Awakening. I think it's great. I think it's it's really cool that Nintendo's doing this thing with their franchises, which you've got the, you got the sort of, I guess you would consider the prime version of the franchise, which is they've got Zelda breath of the wild you're gonna get breath of the wild too that's prime that's sort of moving the franchise forward and then you've got them dibbling back and remastering games or doing a game that's a you know in the old style and i think that you saw that in um link between worlds where they essentially did links link to the past again but um they did link to the past too on the 3ds and now you've got links awakening remake which is essentially the same game well not not the same it's just what you would be able to do if you weren't under the limitations of 3ds now links uh, between worlds is incredible it's got an amazing style but this is so much more vibrant you've got that uh, really amazing sort of plasticine look. And I heard at E3 and I saw pictures where th- they made these scenes with actual figurines and carved structures that look exactly like they were from the game. And they looked fantastic because that game, the game looks just like that. I think they've nailed the tone. I saw I watched that treehouse gameplay they released um, three times <laughs> that I linked on the website. <laughs> um, and I think clearly And I don't know why this isn't bigger news, but there's a Zelda dungeon maker in the game. You guys talked about it. That was clearly the biggest part about this game. They're also including the old color dungeon from the Game Boy Color version. The dungeon maker basically is Nintendo. This is my thought. um, Trying out what a Zelda maker game would would look like. Would people be interested in this? It's clearly a lot of work here. Let's make a simpler version of that and see how popular this is. I can't wait that's like the coolest part about the game for me because it means that nintendo got my mail my fan matters <laughs> about a zelda maker game and i'm like cool let's do it as part of link's awakening and the coolest thing well one of the coolest things is nintendo's had a long time relationship with grezzo they you know they did and that was just kind of out at e3 too that grezzo's making this game and grezzo did ocarina of time 3d majora's mask 3d they did a couple other zelda games and now they're doing this one which is sort of a new game so wow um really cool and i i can't speak highly enough about it we got some leaks earlier in the year where um nintendo where people said that there was going to be a new uh where there were leaks about a new um links uh link to the past game which is weird i i don't know that they might have been confused it might have actually been links awakening instead because it didn't really make a whole lot of sense even but um i i hope that nintendo continues making games like this they could remake links uh link to the past and i would be okay with it even in this style that would be fine i would i would buy that game too so very excited. My only bummer is that we're not getting the special edition version that they're getting in Europe. It's actually way cooler. Um, you get a hefty box and the book is like black and it's just 
I just I like that sort of thought more to a collector's edition. Now that we actually might get a box like that in the United States, but the sort of collector's edition we're getting just shows the book and the game. Hopefully we get a sweet box like that because I would love it. Um, I love Link's Awakening. It's a fantastic game. Um, in fact, over the weekend, I posted two pieces about this from E3, which is Digital Foundry doing a side by side of Link's Awakening, what they played and also the Game Boy version. And then also a retrospective by the game historian about Link's Awakening and its history on Game Boy and its sort of weird launch starting from just a a game with these um, Nintendo developers in their spare time just trying out a Game Boy game to this really amazing Zelda game. So really stoked about that. And, And so Super Mario Maker and Link's Awakening are basically going to be me just playing my switch for the next couple months (laughs) so really excited about that because both games look great i also uh want to give a special or you know point out that the the music in link's awakening was really great considering the limitations on the original game boy but getting to hear that music on the you know the switch version now sounds amazing Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening. <laughs>